Welcome to the podcast series Anders Utrecht, where scholars and community organizers discuss how grassroots initiatives offer sustainable alternatives to urban organization in the Utrecht region. Join the sustainable urban transformation and tune in to hear what we can do differently in Anders Utrecht. Hi everyone, welcome to our fifth episode of Anders Utrecht podcast series. My name is Ozan, I am hosting today, I am from the Anders Utrecht team and uh, we are recording this session at Casco Art Institute which is uh, located at the city center of Utrecht. Um, as usual our windows are open in the office and you may hear the wind and sometimes hopefully birds chirping at the background. And today we have lovely guests uh, from two uh, different organizations. Um, one is uh, Elin Verhoeven from Milieu Centrum, and other, our other guest is uh, Marte Tanhurne from Hoge School Utrecht. And uh, again from Anders Utrecht team, we have Yusra Rahmuni Eledrisi with us. And today we will talk about climate change and citizen uh, initiatives um, in Utrecht and around. Let's begin with the introduction. Uh, can we hear about you, uh, Marte? Yeah, of course. Uh, well, thank you, Ozan, for uh, having me on the show. This is my first uh, podcast ever, so I'm very nervous a little bit, but also very curious to, to do this. Um, so, uh, yeah, my name is Marte Thurne. I'm a, a researcher at the Hogeschool Utrecht, or in English you would say University of Applied Sciences. And I'm also a lecturer there at the Master uh, Community Development. And I'm also a citizen uh, of Utrecht. And I will probably tell you later on about my project. Great. How about Jelen? So hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Eileen and uh, I am a public health researcher. But also in my spare time, I'm a volunteer at Milieucentrum and part of the Major Stad project. Thank you again, Ozan and uh, Bella, for inviting me. And I just realized we're all researchers <laughs> around yeah. the table. But it's it's nice because we're not only here to as researchers, but also as citizens, as community organizers or other things. So I'm Yusra Ramunyele-Drisi. I'm an um, assistant professor at the School of Governance with uh, Ozan uh, here. And, uh, and I'm also a volunteer. I said it all already the last time at uh, Villa Frede, uh, a day community shelter um, for undocumented mi migrants in uh, Utrecht. That's great. So we are already involved in different organizations and with different, uh, let's say, roles and uh, expectations. And uh, with this, I would like to open up the conversation further about uh, your organizations and what you do there. So, uh, Ellen, would you begin? Um, what, what does your organization do? What does Milieu Centrum do? And uh, what is your role there? Yeah, so uh, Milieu Centrum uh, Environmental Center is an organization in Utrecht and it consists of, I think, like 30 volunteers and one paid um, employee. And we try to kind of be the spider in the web, uh, connect citizens to sustainable uh, projects, sustainable organizations or to each other uh, to kind of help them find local sustainable topics, projects and so on. And I'm a part, uh, since two years, I'm a part of it. And I be became a part of the project team. And the project that I'm most uh, busy with is Stad, Measure Your City, uh, where we uh, try as citizens to uh, build our own measuring stations to uh, measure air temperature and humidity and try to do our own research with it and become aware of um, 
well, what's happening in Utrecht. That sounds super exciting. Uh, how many people are in this project team? Uh, I think about eight, but it's always evolving. Like some people come, some people go. So it changes a, a, a lot. Uh, yeah, so together we try to think about different projects. Another project is uh, Milieuwijzer, which is a website, uh, kind of an environmental guide where you can find like uh, restaurants that are sustainable or sustainable clothing shops. But personally, I find my, found my um, refurbished laptop there. So, uh, yeah, very uh, different things. Amazing. So this this measurement, uh, so you, you release the data after measuring or you write a report about it? Uh, how does it work? Wh wh whom you address? Yeah, so we started, I think, one and a half year ago. And it's all, uh, also in other cities. So, it, for example, in Amersfoort, it's already much bigger. Uh, but we uh, came together with, um, well, everyone who was interested. And we gave workshops on how to build such a measuring station. Uh, now we organize monthly evenings that we discuss uh, like technical issues or um, more content wise and right now we are setting up our own small research on heat islands uh, so for example someone made some graphs of the heat in the city uh, from the past week mm -hmm. or I think two weeks ago when it was quite warm mm -hmm. and that you see uh, what the temperature is in your backyard for example compared to uh, official measuring uh, measurements uh, which one should we trust more the official measurements or the one used by the citizens that's a good question yeah. uh, uh, I think like the official from KNMI is uh, really good because it's it measures outside the city on a very constant basis and we have measuring boxes in the Sun or in the shadow near uh, the house or in the backyard or on the balcony, so very different. You can discuss on the quality of the measurements, which is also a challenge. However, we do measure what's near the people mm. and the KNMI station is not really where you are. Okay. Mm. Ellen, that's great that you brought this um, mechanism or the tool that you use for measurement, right? That, uh, would you like to explain how it works and maybe you can also uh, tell about the pieces? Yeah, so I brought my measuring station uh, with me, which I built in one of the workshops. It starts with a rain pipe, which is the outside of the box, which protects uh, the device from water. Uh, and then inside there is a whole technical device that I needed to uh, solder, which contains GPS, it contains, uh, well, the, the thing that measures the temperature. Um, there's also something that sends the data mm -hmm. to the internet. Um, and it looks something like you also have in your laptop or wow. uh, phone, um, this green technical uh, thing. Kind of board, right? That you yeah, put it's, the yeah. other parts. Yeah, it's kind of a motherboard with all the... It looks really hard to make, but you get a lot of help from really nice, enthusiastic people. Mm -hmm. And they help you with everything. Wow. So maybe we can invite others uh, if they want to build this. Uh, yeah. There's a workshop and uh, sure. technical advice available yeah. for measuring yeah. the heat in the city. Yeah, and in COVID times, we try to uh, provide the workshop online. But uh, yeah, you needed some experience in soldering to... Uh, mm. 
be able to participate, but now we can uh, organize real life workshops. So all the information is available on the website of your Media Centrum of the next workshops, for instance. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and also the workshops are also on the website of the library of Utrecht. And, and do, have you seen any pattern of increase or decrease? Uh, probably we know the answer in a way, but I wonder whether there are some initial findings out of these uh, experiments or measurements. Uh, well, it's still very in an early stage, uh, but we do see that there is like maybe two degrees higher on average. Wow. Uh, but we also would like to see um, like the top three coolest places, the top three hottest places. Uh, we still want to find them. But yeah, we do see that it's somewhat higher. And now it's uh, the task to find out, uh, find out why. But I see it as not only interesting in terms of uh, yeah measuring, being able to yeah touch and measure and see data and, and get close to yeah what it, the temperature that it feels like where you are, but mm -hmm. also as a way of actually just opening conversations yeah. about it, right? About yeah. what it means to to live in a hotter uh, planet uh, nowadays or or other topics, right? So it doesn't mean when, when you're inviting citizens to participate in the project, to use the, the how do you call it, the measurement? Yeah, we call it a measuring station. Measuring, measuring station, <laughs> mini measuring station. We yeah. see here, but we can't see in the recording. Maybe we'll post a picture. Yeah, <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah it brings people together uh, to make it also super close uh, to, because we talk a lot about climate change as being this invisible topic and it's harder to... As, yeah, I think you touch upon a really important part of the project that it's really about creating awareness, opening discussion on like also various dimensions of climate change. It's about what does climate change mean for a city like Utrecht? Uh, what is a heat island, for example, but also how are models measuring? Yeah, how are mo models made and how complex is it to actually say something about heat in the city? Yeah, definitely. Like, I remember very well, uh, maybe 10 years ago when I started really being aware or being interested in climate change issues, I was really, it took me a long time where I was stuck in, in that state of mind of like, it's too complex. I don't mm. know the science of it. Uh, I yeah. don't have the argument with the numbers, so I can't yeah. do anything about it. And it's far, far away. It's about sea level rise. Or exactly. I'm not experiencing it also. Mm -hmm. So definitely something like this. You can touch, you can get closer. And it makes me think of your project also, Martin, like opening a conversation, what it means, mm -hmm. climate change. I yeah, think. of course. And I was just uh, thinking about the fact that, uh, well, currently we have this this uh, crisis going on in Canada and uh, in the western part of America. And so we don't have to wait till it gets uh, 50 degrees Celsius here yeah. to see what's the impact of climate change on, on your balcony, on your back garden. And so this measuring box can make it already very insightful, I think. I think it's a, indeed a good idea to, to make people more aware of uh, what's going on in their uh, close environment. And Marta, you are here also as a researcher uh, who is involved in energy transition, but also you are involved in uh, community uh, organizing, right, about this energy transition and how it, how it is perceived by the citizens. Can you elaborate on this? What, what is your role at the school and also out of the school, uh, outside the school, at what you do, what kind of activities you are involved in uh, through organizing? Uh, like I said in the introduction, I work at uh, HU, so Hochschool Utrecht, University of Applied Sciences. 
I'm a member of a research group, um, and as as being part of that research group, I do research to the participation and uh, the way how people look at the energy transition. The energy transition is a transition that's uh, been uh, been decided by our by the Dutch government, and but it's also been uh, the Dutch government has has made some agreements in the Paris climate uh, uh, deal. So, and one of the consequences of this deal is that we uh, need to find another uh, source to heat our homes and our companies. And uh, so it has consequences for every Dutch citizen, every Dutch household. So um, up to now, most most of the Dutch households, uh, they, they uh, warm their houses with gas. But we need to get rid of it uh, just uh, f for the reason of climate change, if we want to bring down uh, the temperature uh, on, the, on the earth. So it's a, it's a big macro story, but it's really, it really translates to uh, every household in Holland. So we have uh, more than 1.4 million households in Holland. So we need to uh, uh, yeah, change every every household and and how do uh, and the way they uh, provide their their uh, their their heating um i do this project in in soest in a in a vulnerable vulnerable uh, neighborhood called uh, smitsveen because people are at the core of this transition i think so there's a technical part of this uh, energy transition which uh, revolves around the question well which source are we going to use is it uh, solar panels is it wind energy is it uh, geo geo uh, term uh, mm, geothermal yeah yeah thank you for the word <laughs> uh, so that's a very uh, technical discussion with which is also very important but at the core of it i also see there's a very social side to it and i think every transition has a social side to it um but we tend to um, focus the discussion on the technical side of it. So, um, and you see, there is already in Holland quite some resistance to the to the large windmills that are being placed in yeah, nearby neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. uh, so, the acceptance of the technology is very important for the for the for the success of this energy transition. So, and my research revolves around, yeah, uh, do people want to participate in this energy transition in this neighborhood? Or uh, can we increase uh, the attitude or the knowledge people have about this transition? Mm -hmm. So that in the end, they become more of an owner of this energy transition instead of a follower. Mm -hmm. Because it's a top-down decision made by the government and made by, um, uh, yeah, uh, different countries. Um, but it's translated to uh, yeah people's daily lives, and, and can they they also become an, an owner of this uh, transition? Do they want to participate? So that's the challenge uh, I'm faced with. And what are the what are the initial uh, responses you get from the citizens? Yeah, for, well, um, uh, do, do do they come up with some alternatives, or for instance, is there a, is there a way or platform where you can discuss uh, alternative ways? Well, right, right now we're in the middle of talking to the citizens and see uh, what keeps them busy, what uh, what are their worries in day-to-day uh, -day uh, lives. And when I talk to these people, they they don't mention climate change or they don't mention sustainability as an important subject that they worry about. They're they're more worried about uh, litter in in their own neighborhoods or if the if the 
Lyft is working in their apartment building. So those day-to-day concerns are much more important for them to than uh, yeah, climate change. And for example, during a very warm period, like the past few weeks, do you think it's it's much more of a concern? Good question. I'm, I'm not so sure about it. Uh, I, I do find that people, uh, they find it difficult to call themselves green or having a sustainable behavior. Uh, they all are almost a little bit ashamed of it to, to, to say so. But if you ask, uh, they do have some uh, sustainable behavior like uh, separating waste, uh, plastics, paper. Uh, sometimes uh, some people go around and uh, co- collect garbage in the neighborhood and throw it away. Uh, so people care about the neighborhood, uh, how it looks. I'm not sure if they if they make the link bet- between uh, uh, high temperatures and, and and climate change and if they should worry about it. But it's 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 not that they reject uh, sustainability in total. It's you touch upon a really important question when it comes to uh, the energy transition or. Um, the future of um, sustainability, the question of the the yeah the social dimension mm-hmm. uh, of this transition, um, and so you said um, I quote you: people are at the core or should be at the core of this yeah. energy because they're concerned. They're going to be concerned, and this is it. Still seems to be a more top-down um, approach uh, or decision yeah. that has to. Uh, be uh, implemented somehow but more than just the social dimension as as in general terms that people has to have to agree or have to be aware there is the other how would you say the 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 sort of uh, socioeconomic sub-dimension that that is problematic still problematic in the way we approach the problem or the the sustainability issue is that in general terms, it's like the people that are the most concerned or the most impacted are mm-hmm. the least active or participating yeah. in it, right? You you have that, right? Because mm-hmm. like in mar- you would see marginalized communities or vulnerable communities would be the ones that are the closer to the highways. So yeah. would be the first or most impacted by pollution compared to, uh, which makes it, makes the sustainability debate discussion very much a discussion of high white high educated people right who have the time the energy the resources to actually get themselves educated on it and maybe uh, participate and that's where i see the value of such research or such projects Mm -hmm. to sort of get back to the to the real life of people and then try to understand yeah what their needs what their uh, concerns how they s- approach and see this question from the from the mm-hmm. perspective of how it touches them yeah. although they don't put the word sustainability on it or energy yeah. or recycling or they whatever. use a different kind of vocabulary but um i think as a society as a dutch society we should be aware that the energy transition doesn't uh, turn into a new divide, like an energy divide in our society, and that runs along uh, what you say uh, along socioeconomic um, status, because there there is something called 
like energy poverty in Holland. Uh, TNO, which is a research institute, has also published a report about it. And it's uh, exactly those people who live in vulnerable neighborhoods who are suffering among uh, uh, energy poverty because they don't have the money or uh, uh, the, the capital to invest in their houses, to uh, isolate their houses or to buy solar panels, for example, or to go to the municipality and get subsidies on on whatever arrangement there is to make their ho home more vulnerable, uh, sorry, uh, sustainable um, <laughs> and less vulnerable. And you, you already see also in Suste, so the, the, the city where, I, uh, where I'm doing my research, that, that the more um, uh, affluent uh, neighborhoods, they know how to organize themselves. They know how to find a way to the municipality, to go to the city council, to get the subsidies, to um, have their voices heard. And so this neighborhood I'm working in, they they are badly organized. There is no there is no citizens committee at all, and there are almost 5,000 people living in this neighborhood. So it's quite a challenge to 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 make sure as a society we not uh, we're not letting this energy transition also turn into a new energy divide. Just following up what Martin said, uh, are you also aware of this kind of energy divide in, 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 in cities and uh, does it also have impact on your uh, projects? Uh, one other thing I was just thinking about when Martin had uh, talked about this uh, kind of energy poverty is in also, also in the health research we have a term called health literacy that you kind of know how to go to the GP or to a doctor and find your way through the health system. And actually there's also something like that in the energy transition phase, like the literacy, the knowledge to to guide through it. Yeah, also um, what you just said, yeah, I can recognize it because we organize those workshops to build those measuring stations. And what I really like about it is that many uh, people come from different backgrounds to our uh, workshops and to our uh, events, but also uh, when we look at the, the map of Utrecht and where the measuring boxes are, they are in certain neighborhoods still, and for example, not in Overvecht or Kanale Island. So we also see that some people... This reminds me the question then, I guess, that there are certain privileges for a group of society that they can have this kind of time, energy, motivation to engage with this kind of problems. Uh, what do you think about this, Yusra? For instance, how can we explain this disparity between the groups and then, of course, this probably privileges for a particular group of society? So I, I did my PhD uh, research on climate activists, uh, French climate activists, because I, I, I was living in France. I started my field work a few months before 2015 COP21 that led to the Paris Agreement you just talked about mm -hmm. deal, which is so far is the historical first time we have more than 140 or 190 countries that agreed that reach out an, an, a deal um, on uh, reducing uh, um, their uh, CO2 emissions. Um, so I did my research on climate activists. So the, the climate change question was kind of the empirical setting of the research and not so much I didn't engage with the topic in depth uh, or per se. But what I can say is that because I joined the movement, I did an activist uh, ethnography in this uh, small group. It's relative, it's small, but also uh, became quite huge. Uh, in, in those years, um, and I was interested in how they 
what kind of collective actions they mobilize, they organize to put pressure on governments to uh, be more ambitious. Um, and the question of the, um, how, how would you call it? L yeah, the lack of uh, diversity mm -hmm. within the environmental movement or climate movement is an old one, but, but somehow was new or in, in 2015 um, in France, in the climate, French uh, climate scene. Um, and where, where, I mean, where it comes from is, is how you, or, or how, how it's uh, perceived or analyzed is what you just said that uh, mobilizing, actually being an active citizen um, uh, that um, engages in, uh, what would you call it, civil society uh, initiatives, uh, requires uh, time and energy and resources. And it's not about being aware of the problem, it's more about being, how would I put it? I think it's exactly that, having the resources available to make, uh, to, to have, mental room as well to to engage in in discussions about climate change and and also participate in it because in the area so in smithsvane uh, the, the 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 neighborhood i'm working in it's it's um it's a neighborhood with families with uh, multi multi problems so mm. people have financial problems health issues uh issues with uh, educating their their child their children mm. um and so we also know from literature that being in a financial difficult position uh, uh, causes a lot of st uh, stress. Yeah. So when we think of resources, it's not just uh, resources as, uh, you know, education resources or, or, or books or whatever to get, yeah. but also resources in terms of yeah, time or in terms of being uh, uh, in a context. For instance, the university, you go to university, you're privileged to have access to university, then you're more uh, likely to have these discussions among students or with teachers. And so that's true that when your life is already filled with, uh, and you're active and you're mobilizing on questions of, I don't know, it can be in France, it's police violence, it's uh, you know social issues, a number of social issues, um, the, the crucial question that, that everyone or uh, citizens uh, engage in civil society initiative are trying to reach is kind of how can we build bridges across these issues, mm -hmm. across the question of race or ethnic inequalities or gender inequalities and climate change. And what best to do it than to uh, kind of be be within these communities. Yeah, these communities. yeah, definitely. And, and certainly it doesn't uh, uh, account for everybody living in this neighborhood, but sometimes it's just about surviving on a daily day, uh, day to day basis. Yeah. Yeah. So it, that, that makes it difficult to, to, yeah, to engage in such a beautiful project like uh, measure your city, yeah, I guess, exactly. yeah. or even be aware of it. And given all these challenges, um, also given the overall topic of this series, uh -huh. um, how, what are the values and what are the principles drive you and your organization, which may be also related to uh, how you do things differently, how you do things anders uh, when it comes to citizen, citizen initiatives and also tackling climate change? How do you see this relation? Uh, well, I think uh, one of the main principles of the uh, Milieu Centrum is, well, uh, the principle of sustainability. Um, but also to make 
sustainability is something local and to um, let people, let citizens find each other, but also uh, find projects in their neighborhoods. Yeah, we do that by well organizing those workshops, but also uh, uh, we did webinars on green roofs or water in your garden. And we also try to connect with um, those uh, neighborhood um, bu uh, buildings. I'm not sure what they're called, but um, to also yeah be in the neighborhoods and reach out to most of the communities. But yeah, yeah. this is also one of the challenges like I uh, just discussed. So as far as I can catch uh, acting local uh, and also being informative about what the, lo the local and citizens can do and engage with all these uh, practices about uh, sustainability or uh, uh, tackling climate change. Yeah, we really try to connect and facilitate, I think. But speaking of kind of diversity within yeah, citizens' initiatives, I thought about this earlier when you talked about the, the creation or the emergence of this project and this uh, device that you created. You said it required different kinds of people, right? I, I don't imagine myself being able to, to do this, obviously. <laughs> But from what you say, I imagine myself sort of being part of a group, then who teaches me because there is this skills from this, this yeah. person and combined with the skills of others, right? Can you tell us a little bit like what kind of skills you needed like to have that? To have such a project. Yeah, or people who? Well, yeah, so... We need. We can use everyone because we are. We call ourselves a citizen science project, which means that um, we are kind of have a horizontal structure, and that everyone, that we together as citizens, uh, create our own community and create our own activities. So everyone can contribute. And well, on the one hand, we do have to facilitate some things, like um, we organize those workshops. Uh, we do it in the library at uh, Neude, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, so and we also have a, a more technical community, which is uh, Ha Ha Ho, which do more of the programming stuff. So when we give the workshops, for example, I present something about climate change and the city, and then the technical people help people with soldering mm. the device. Uh, but we also try to open up a discussion of whatever anyone is interested in. Yeah. A few weeks ago, uh, a meteorologist uh, also gave some advice on uh, when you, the measurements are the most interesting, for example, for a heat island. Mm -hmm. uh, and he made some graphs, but also uh, taught us how to make those graphs in Excel and so on. So mm. I don't know, we just think, what do we have? What resources do we have? And mm. what can we do with it to learn from each other? Do you have similar values and principles, Mark, in, in the organizations you are involved? I guess so, yes. Um, as a Hochschool Utrecht, uh, so at, at organization level, uh, sustainability is one of the core values. But it, it picks up sustainability a bit broader than only ecological sustainability. So we are really guided by the 17 uh, sustainable development goals um, uh, defined by the UN. Uh, which also entails uh, gender equality, uh, clean water, healthy living. And, and one of those goals is also uh, an, an, an ecological uh, sustainability. So yeah, that's uh, quite an important uh, uh, value for our organization.
and also in in the in the community level do you do you also note uh, this kind of reference to being local or um, giving voice up uh, to the policy level i guess you you're also dealing with this kind of uh, navigating the way right uh, between the community and mm -hmm. the policy makers uh, right now in the, in in Smitsveen, the the community what we what we are trying to do is uh, know what's going on in the community so what are their wishes what are uh, what do they worry about and collect those issues mm -hmm. and then take them back to the stakeholders like the municipality the welfare welfare organization the housing uh, corporation and to see where are linking opportunities to connect those issues, uh, those community issues with the energy transition. So, for example, if there's, if there's a need for more social cohesion, how can we link it to the energy transition? Mm -hmm. uh, for example, by setting up a communal garden, for example, where mm -hmm. people can meet and work together in, in that garden. Mm -hmm but also work at, uh, uh, at the same time uh, with sustainability. And was it also the municipality who asked you to uh, do this project or no. how, how did it <laughs> come up? Um, how, how did it come up? Good question. Yeah, well, actually, I, uh, I confronted uh, them with, with my idea uh, to, to go into, uh, into this community and see whether we can... Uh, bring the energy transition to them um, every municipality in holland is um, is concerned with the energy transition they have to make a, a plan for it and they have to uh, deliver it to the ministry mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things the the municipalities have to uh, take into account is how do we involve citizens mm -hmm. and so everybody wants to do something with participation mm -hmm. but they re don't really know how so they were quite enthusiastic with, well, my help uh, to get especially this you know, diff difficult target group and see how we engage, how we can engage them with the energy transition. It reminds me, and I'm sure you have tons of examples also of students um, and classrooms, uh, discussions around it. But really recently, uh, the last course I was giving consisted of uh, small groups of, of students working on sustainability or part of a track on sustainability had to sort of choose a specific topic within sustainability and then kind of explore it and develop an in a small meaningful intervention in society with this idea that they should do something with stakeholders concerned by this issue. And you mentioned it uh, uh, um, a little bit earlier, this resistance, existing resistance from citizens towards wind uh, mill yeah. projects yeah so they studied one of these in in the area of Utrecht started by asking inhabitants residents of the area uh, what do you think of this new project coming in that's a project that is at least 10 years old um, and so they got to learn about the uh, not only the resistance of the inhabitant this but also the consultation uh, municipality, the municipality organizes or has to organize consultation mm -hmm. sessions, mm -hmm. evenings to inform and get the consent, right? Um, but then they realized or they, they gathered that citizens were not really happy about it because these were like, they felt they didn't have any 
kind of decision making in this process, mm -hmm. they weren't heard. At the end of the day, they did. And so the, the, the interesting thing uh, that came up of their, their project, my students' project, was that they came up with this idea of, okay, what if, how to make better this relationship, or how to get mm -hmm. more consent and less resistance from citizens uh, in, in, in similar projects? Because most people are sort of more or less aware of the tr necessity of the transition, the mm -hmm. ecological transition. They came up with the idea of citizens' assemblies, which is not a new idea, right? It's, it's been going all around. But uh, they kind of digged into how would it look like? Mm -hmm. uh, who would participate? How people uh, maybe pay people? Or like maybe because it's time and energy and people mm -hmm. were like, we spend time and energy in this and then we end up with the same project that was designed initially, right? Yeah. So we don't want that. What do you think of this idea of assemblies, neighborhoods? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a very good idea. Uh, we also thought about it, actually. And it would be, I think, a dream to yeah. have such an assembly you know, one year from now from an, 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 a neighborhood where nothing is organized, where people uh, don't organize themselves to go to a situation where... There's an official assembly, mm. uh, and perhaps also with a random sample mm, uh, exactly. as assembly. Mm, mm. And I think it's also done on a national level in France, where it also worked out quite good, I, I thought. Well, there was a lot of disappointment as well. So, okay. yeah, recently. From the citizen side. From the citizen side yeah. who participated in the assembly and from the 140, over 140 um, sort of propositions they uh -huh. made, concrete propositions. Mm -hmm. Um, that the president Macron yeah. uh, uh, promised to take at least I don't know a certain percentage of, mm -hmm. he didn't uh, follow or like uh, a bit by his own uh, promise and, yeah. uh, and 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 a lot of uh, a lot of disappointment was expressed in the streets by like officially by the assembly or at least members of this assembly, yeah. but it was yeah a recent life yeah it was, life a, it was a very good idea and, and a very brave idea. I would say from the, from the President Macron, mm, mm, but um, mm. I think one 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 of the causes um, why participation often fails is is that municipalities they they don't know how to organize participation in a way that includes everybody. Mm -hmm. So they they use um, information evenings where I don't know people who have two jobs can't go to or they have to ca take care of the children and don't have the money. To, to hire a babysitter to go to that information evening. And so there are always a lot of usual suspects, of course, at those inf information evenings. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the most important issues in participation is to that the citizens feel that they are taken seriously. And that doesn't mean that uh, the outcome of the partici participation process is, uh, is the same as they wanted to, but as long as they are heard, they are taken seriously, and they are taken their 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 worries are taken into account. Exactly. Yeah, taken into a consideration and account. Yeah. As far as I understand, then there are actually these challenges in terms of lack of lack of participation or limited participation from the citizen side, so that it, there, there should be ways to include uh, yeah. the voices of the communities and also. And society. that's difficult. 
yeah. to include everybody, to yeah. make a very inclusive participation process. Yeah, because But there are also other socioeconomic pressing issues on these communities and that, that they may yeah. not have time. or So, so that's why you have to link it together. Mm. Yeah. So not only organize an evening about sustainability, because then we you would get a, a usual suspect group of high educated people who really care about sustainability. But you have to link it together to, I don't know, uh, uh, cr criminality or something. Yeah, or the he, you know, your your isolation or the feeling yeah. of your, you know, the quality of your building, right? Yeah. And do you encounter some other challenges as as, as a part of the citizen initiatives? That what, what what might be the issues related to your organizations or the way you organize, mobilize people? Um, also, one of the challenges I just heard next to uh, that people are active uh, actually. Uh, participating is that if they're uh, participating that they're not heard or don't mm. feel heard um, so in our project we don't really focus on that we uh, well we, we do um, uh, uh, communicate a lot with the municipality who also uh, subsidized uh, this project Uh, but unfortunately, it won't subsidize us further. Mm. So that's also a challenge. Why? Yeah. Funding, uh, funding yeah. a major challenge, right? Yeah, because we also would like to focus on um, yeah, uh, other communities that are not uh, involved yet and, and also make it available to them, for example, to organize workshops in the local um, uh, libraries and not in the huge one here, for mm. example. Mm. But yeah, we... Uh, and is there a reason? Is there a justification of this cutting funding? Mm, well, I, I'm I'm not really sure what the reason is. No, it's not really clear. Um, But you knew initially that you had a, a certain amount of, of, of a period of, of funding, or yeah, yeah, yeah. We started, I think, with uh, one year or one and a half year, and yeah, now uh, we need to find something new uh, somehow. Um, But yeah, another challenge for our specific project is also technical. Uh, for example, my measuring station didn't work for a few weeks. And in the end, it was just because I had to change the battery. Okay. It was a bit <laughs> stupid of me, but some uh, boxes did, uh, really don't work and we have to find solutions for that. Uh, so uh, we all are volunteers in the project. Uh, which means that sometimes uh, there's a lot of progress uh, in a short uh, period of time, but also sometimes people don't really have time. Uh, so the commitment things, or the yeah. sustainability of yes. the commitment. Yeah, yeah, people come and people go. So, uh, and on the one hand, that's really a strength because new people come in with new ideas, but also uh, yeah, people go, which is uh, always a bit sad. How do you deal with these kind of challenges? Then, I mean, funding. Then you 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 have been working with the Hemente municipality, mm -hmm. and do you search for some other funding uh, sources, or in terms of human resource, or in terms of technical know-how, for instance, how you find solutions for these kind of challenges? Yeah, in the end, I think most of it we find it within our uh, personal networks. Okay. Uh, so with funding, I'm not really involved with that. Um, so yeah, I don't really know how we are going to solve that. Uh, but for example, with the technical support, well, someone stands up and says, I know how to fix this. From the volunteers. Let's, yeah, let's do it together. Or, uh, well, I know someone who lives there and there. We can go to him who can help us. So because we are, we are a citizen science project and we are kind of all on the same level, 
things get fixed somehow. So sometimes you also need a bit of patience. So apparently there are many things going on in the city in terms of uh, different challenges and also uh, attempts to tackle these challenges uh, at the local level or at different levels. Um, Yusra, how do you see the role of citizenship initiatives in terms of challenging these grand issues? I see a citizens' initiative as, as a way of uh, reconfiguring the, the relationship between the state, corporate world, or like the economy part of, of our society, and then civil society, which like when we think of the Paris Agreement, uh, we, we value like the, the fact that at the state level, different countries manage to uh, agree on a set of objectives voluntarily. Um, yet this agreement is also uh, not ambitious enough. It's also taking us with the, the current contributions that, that, that each country has promised to, to uh, uh, make, is taking us towards a trajectory of plus four degrees in, in terms of uh, uh, increasing temperatures, uh, which means that what's for me, the role of community initiatives and civil society as a whole is to act as a... a um, pressing mechanism. Yeah, or pressing, yeah. Or yeah keeping, to keep, asking keep, for accountability, right? Yeah, the accountability aspect. And this is nothing new. This is how, how the concept of civil society or, or the idea behind having a civil society, that's the idea behind having civil society to ensure that um, there is uh, accountability, there is transparency, um, so that the, um, the ambition of the governments are um, increased with time, that the transition is accelerated, that it's uh, also taken into consideration the whatever um, criticism or ideas or participation that people uh, are willing to put there. But also, I think more critically, is also a question of uh, I think civil society plays, or community-led initiatives plays the role of uh, also shedding light somehow, directly or indirectly, on the role of the corporate world uh, or the corporations or the, 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 the importance of also transforming um, the economy um, towards a more sustainable or cir circular economy, etc. And so this is where we... And the example of Milieu Centrum or of this project, for instance, I was thinking uh, is interesting because it brings people together, right? Engaging in su such community, it creates communities within communities or recreates communities, right? Or just the way your project mm -hmm. is, as you said, like how can we move from a neighborhood where there's not so much organizing mm -hmm. to hopefully, yeah. ideally, having some form of organizing. Well, in, in that sense, um, I see the energy transition uh, not as an end, but as a mean to, to get to a more inclusive society with a smaller ecological footprint mm -hmm. where everybody participates mm -hmm. and uh, is included and socioeconomic issues are also solved ideally uh, along the way with the energy transition and mm -hmm. i think the energy transition is a uh, yeah is a, is a is a mean to do it it's also an opportunity to do it definitely yeah yeah, yeah. Because it puts us maybe on a on an edge like we can't push away anymore yeah these questions it's um 
yeah, it's 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 a, it's a leverage to 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 also work on other pressing social economic issues. Just building on what uh, Yusra said, how do you see your impact in Utrecht city in your neighborhood? Can you see this that there are some changes of behavior, uh, mm-hmm. changes in attitude or um, awareness? I don't know. Or perhaps have you ever thought about boosting this impact? building some alliances or having new connections, being part of networks? I think the mo- most of the impact from Milieu Centrum will be like awareness uh, creating because I see Milieu Centrum as a organization that's kind of in the middle of, it's in the middle of the city literally, but also in the middle of the city between citizens. Um, we connect with other environmental organizations, but also with um, the municipality. So we, yeah, we really try to to connect with the citizens and 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 advise them or get them on board or inform them on uh, things that are happening. For example, now there's a climate adaptation plan from the municipality who just got published, and we, as a milieu centrum, want to send a letter with our thoughts on it and we invite citizens. Uh, the citizens to uh, add to that so we really try to not be like something top down but yeah bottom up yeah bottom up organization yeah how about you martin and just following on actually what uh, ellen said mm-hmm. are these efforts enough i mean these are bottom up yeah. trying to be inclusive citizen initiatives But given the complexity of the problem we face, call it sustainability or call it climate change, what 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 might be the ways of you know pushing the boundaries further? Given the energy transition, it's um, again it's it, the energy transition has to be rolled out in every neighborhood in in Holland. So we need to learn from from these early experiences. So how do we get uh, citizens in a neighborhood? How do we get them active? How do we get them enthusiastic? Or how do we take care of their worries in the process? And so I I, I do see these projects as um, yeah laboratories where we experiment and we uh, we get in touch with um, with these citizens and f- through different kind of research methods and try to connect them with the the system world, uh, the the municipality and all the other uh, stakeholders and then try to see if we can like export it to other neighborhoods to other cities and of course every city every neighborhood is unique we have to take that into into account but um, we can also learn from it and in that way it it uh, the the impact is bigger than only smithfein in soest but we also want to make an impact outside of So that's why I see it as a uh, small-scale uh, laboratory or an experiment. And uh, yeah, so much more impact is needed, of course. So yeah. it's a sort of replication, right? That you see yeah. whether the project will be successful and then yeah. you replicate it in different places. Yeah, and there's already uh, so much going on already. And um, uh, Platform 31, which is also a knowledge institute in The, in the Hague, They've uh, published an inspiration book with uh, several uh, use cases. So there are a, a, a lot of cases how to um, 
enhance participation for the energy transition and, and how, what can you do about it and what are the lessons learned mm -hmm. um, so we need to collect them and try them out and see what fits in uh, which situation yeah. um, and in that way we yeah hope we um, uh, can lessen the, the resistance against the energy transition if it's there yeah. and to yeah. make them more of an owner than a, than a follower Definitely, the, the words that you both used uh, uh, of adaptation, how to adapt solutions or mm -hmm. methods, but also because we need to adapt our cities, uh, our neighborhood, we also need as researchers or whatever uh, citizens and to adapt our methods mm -hmm. of researching, of informing ourselves. Like, um, for me, like, you call yourself, Alina, in this project, citizen scientists, which I really find super interesting because um, it also blurs or kind of yeah, expand the boundaries of what is science. Science can be accessible, um, even with such a complex topic. Um, it's just a matter of like, yeah, adapting to your local yeah, environment and adapting uh, the way we constantly. It's not like adapting to sort of some new model, ready-made model. Mm -hmm but adapting to different uh, situations and different neighborhoods and citizens. Yeah, so what's, uh, what's important in my research is to connect the, 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 the system world, the top-down world, so to say, with the living world, the Leefwereld, mm -hmm. and bring them together yeah. and, and make the, the, the divide between them as small as possible. Yeah. So that the, the, the municipality, the people working in the municipality really know what's going on in the neighborhood but also there's uh, people in the neighborhood know what's going on at the municipality or at the macro level yeah. and know what the, what the need for the energy tra transition is. Yeah. And you feel that the municipality um, is engaged or and, and willing to, to learn and yeah. to get closer and, yeah, and connect uh, with different stakeholders. They're, they're willing to, they're interested, but sometimes they just know, don't know how. And maybe the outcomes will also be different sometimes if you talk about energy transition with the community mm -hmm. maybe the government wants to uh, put windmills somewhere yeah. but based on Com the community participation it will be solar panels or yeah and that know, would be a better outcome things. for the for the for the community or mm -hmm. the windmills still will be placed but people understand it more or the resistance will be a, a bit yeah. lesser or i don't know mm -hmm. different adaptations to the windmills can be made mm -hmm. i mean sometimes sometimes changes are not um you cannot run away from them or we we need more uh, sustainable energy and mm -hmm. perhaps i don't i don't i don't know really the technical part of it but perhaps we need more windmills that that's just a given fact but uh we really talk with the citizens and yeah uh, so d we don't get a, a, a not in my backyard situation and and yeah and more acceptance for it Marty, you mentioned about this being a link between the policymakers and all the citizens right that you want this uh, gap as close as possible i would take it as a kind of your vision right that that's that's the thing that you you want to move forward or that you would like to uh, go towards uh, as, yeah. as as a society would you like to add to this vision? I mean, how would you vision a sustainable energy transition, uh, given your research and given your engagement in the field? And I also wonder how Milieu Centrum would like to see uh, their vision. 
Yeah, so so my vision indeed would be to to close the gap as far as possible and and particularly to close the gap for for people living in those uh, vulnerable neighborhoods because their voices are often not heard. So it's it's important for 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 those people to yeah that that they also profit from the energy transition and not be uh, an, a victim of it. So that would be a, a, a nice um, outcome if that happens. And how is it about Milieu Centre more for you? Yeah, I would really like to have a, a community like across all neighborhoods, across all economic statuses, across all social dimensions that know, yeah, that knows each other, finds each, each other and has discussion about all those sustainability topics and that people come out of their bubble and uh, yeah, yeah, find each other. The bubble, indeed, yeah. That's the idea, one of the ideas behind assemblies, right? Yeah, like mm -hmm. if if we could have more, yeah, assemblies getting together and discussing these issues that touch, uh, touch us or touch upon our realities and experiences differently, right? It's differently is, I think, important. Like, it's not just about my own, you know, transformation or the transformation of my environment, but also like how to take into consideration the fact that we're all we're all part of it right mm -hmm. we all have to re find a common uh, yeah and i guess as we are getting close to the end of this uh, episode uh, for each session uh, we ask our guests uh, what you would suggest for the newcomers uh, or those citizens who are interested in energy transition or sustainable energy transition or citizen initiatives for tackling climate change. What would be your suggestions? What would be your recommendations? Elin? Well, I'd recommend to talk to your neighbor or talk to uh, people, your colleagues on your, at work um, and just uh, get to know about what is happening in Utrecht, in your city. Uh, there are so many initiatives already. And you're always welcome at um, one of our walk-in evenings or workshops. Uh, you can go to uh, the website of Milieu Centrum uh, or walk into our uh, our building. We always try to advise you on something. Yeah, my my advice would be well, close to that one of Elinus. Uh, Just if you want to get active, be active. So I think there are a lot of things going on on every street, every corner, every neighborhood. In, in Utrecht, there's something called plugging, where people can uh, run together with other people and collect garbage or plastics along the way. So it, it, it's a small impact, but it impacts your neighborhood. And I think that's a great way to be active. Uh, but there are, are communal gardens. Uh, but also in your own house, you can do s stuff to, to, to work on sustainability. And also via the internet or social media, you can support it. So there are so many ways to be active. So don't only sit on your chair, but get out there. That would be my advice. And start small. And start yeah. small, thanks. That's yeah. the main summary. Yeah. Okay, I guess with these recommendations, we can close this session. Uh, thank you very much for your contribution, yeah, Elin. Thank you. thank you very much, Marta. And thanks, uh, Yusra, for all your valuable insights. More sessions are coming, themes like uh, natural environment or recycling or simply uh, sustainable living in a uh, city. So 
Thank you for joining us and hopefully until next time. Bye. Bye bye. <laughs>